these words that we have just sung and listened to Lisa lead us through are actually the scripture for our focus this morning. These are important matters, matters that concern our heart, matters that concern a prayerfulness of attitude. The uh, hymn that we began with this morning, I must have sung that a thousand times down at Epworth by the Sea. Did you, at church camp, did you ever sing Kumbaya? And the, the whole reason for our singing that, this hymn that has been adopted years ago um, out of African culture has been shared with us that we might remember to speak the words from the very depths of our being, come Lord Jesus, come by here, come by here. Church membership, um, as Reverend Kelly Love says, church membership is a way to say, I have found my place. This is the community that helps me live my faith. I will do my part to sustain the life of this community. I love that definition for church membership. Let me read it again for you. I have found my place. This is the community that helps me live my faith. I will do my part to help sustain the life of this community. Nearly 20 years ago, I was sitting in the church office and received a visit. A church neighbor had stopped by to see me. And as we were sitting there talking, she asked, can you be a part of the church without being expected to do anything? And I was puzzled at how best to answer that question. In fact, I very much wanted to just simply throw the doors open wide and say, you don't have to do a thing, just come. Just come and be a part of us. We're trying to grow this community. Come, we won't put any expectation on you. But there was another part of me that thought to say that or even to imply that would be very misleading. I was learning as I was in conversation with her, and frankly, to tell you the truth, I don't even remember very well what I did say. But you know with me that with discipleship comes responsibility and even sacrifice. Membership vows are literally located within the liturgy of the baptismal covenant for our church. Shortly, you will be seeing hymnals take residence in the pews again. And you can look it up for yourself that right in the midst of the baptismal covenant, you will find the opportunity that is given 
for we who come to join the church to affirm our faith in what we are doing by vowing to uphold the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. This is unique to the United Methodist Church. Not that other churches do not also require vows and responsibility to take hold of the individual who comes in the act of receiving baptism. But this is particularly what we rise to. And in fact, whenever someone comes to join the church, not only do they affirm this baptismal covenant, this membership vow, but the congregation as a whole reaffirms through a prayerful utterance that we too take these vows on once again that we pledged in the beginning. These are foundational principles. And in fact, over the next five weeks, we will apply ourselves to thinking a little bit about what it is that we have committed ourselves to. Today, let's take just a moment to consider our commitment to be a people of prayer. This vow that we offer ourselves to when we say in answer to the question, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and uphold it by your prayers, we are not vowing simply to pray for the church, although that's a very good thing. Weekly in the newsletter, there is the encouragement especially to keep in prayer those that are in special need. And you will find that prayer list in the weekly updates every time you look at it. There is much reason for us to be a people of prayer for the church, to lift up every part of the church, to lift up its programs and its missions, to especially care about the children of our church, to care about the youth of our church, to care about those who are older adults that are no longer able to come and to together in fellowship on this spot, to care about those that are connected with this local congregation. And there is a calling in the midst of this vow to be loyal to the United Methodist Church and to uphold the church in our prayers. But there is something that goes beyond who we are and what we might initially think. The church is larger than just Pittman Park United Methodist. It is far more expansive than that. In fact, you know very well 
that we have sister churches, United Methodist churches in our community with whom we are administratively connected, where we share this connection of giving and connection of doctrine. But there are many others who are brothers and sisters of ours that encompass this entire planet. And so pray for the church, we should. This is a very good thing, lest we think that because things are going well here, that there might not be someone somewhere else that is suffering. You and I are called to pray for the church. But our calling in that vow must be taken from a larger perspective. That vow is a call on each one of us to let all of life, all of life for each of us be marked by prayer. You and I are called to be a people of prayer. There are many things, even besides the church, that God calls us to be prayerfully aware of. Are you being faithful to that vow to be a person of prayer? I have yet to figure out how to pray without ceasing. Are you with me on this? The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church at Thessalonica, if you want to look it up, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, he uses the phrase as an encouragement to those long ago and those of us today who read it, pray without ceasing. I'm much distracted in my prayer life. Even now, at this time, when surely I should have mastered every aspect of what it means to pray. But I confess to you that I can find it very hard to make myself fully present before God. God never has a problem making his presence before me. But in my mind, in my spirit, like the song went this morning, Lord, I wonder, I can feel it. I have this tendency to be distracted by the most minute thing. But my heart reaches out to believe that truly there is a way to live prayerfully without ceasing. And our vow to pray, to be a people of prayer, is in fact much akin to what Paul was focusing on. That we are to be a people whose lives are from the very beginning, founded in prayer.
I don't know if you would remember the name Mary Color White. God rest her soul. She has been gone many a year now. But she was a very well-known person in the South Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church. She was born in Perry, Georgia in 1875. And she had this call to go to China as a missionary and spent years there doing what you and I would marvel at, living such an, a simple life, uh, most of the time on a houseboat. It was no house. It was just simply a boat where she was able to lay her head down at night, but spending time there. And then on that occasion, coming back to these United States of America and traveling to churches across the conference to share the message of what she was encountering there in China as she simply told people the good news of Jesus Christ. Mary Keller White was a person of deep spiritual renown in this conference. And in fact, if you were near her, you could pick up on that. And in the midst of talking to her, there were many occasions that people would come and begin to bear their soul to Mary Color White because they knew that she was listening to them. And often, as I understand it, Mary Color White would hear them say, keep me in your prayers. And she would turn to them and she would say, better that I not forget, let's pray right now. <laughs> and so she would take their hands and they would enter into this moment of prayer. I believe that is the attitude that Paul was talking about. To have this ceaseless act of prayer going on within our lives. Although Mary Color White might not ever have thought of herself as a person of prayer, she was. She was the very epitome of what it meant to allow your life to be shaped by prayer. I heard of a Methodist matriarch who died recently in her 90s. She came to her end. And as her family was going through her things, they found over... 100 little index cards upon which she had been keeping her prayer notes of people for whom she had been praying of situations that were capturing her heart on a daily basis. Is there that kind of evidence that you and I will leave behind? 
is our prayer so all-consuming? Are there moments of our day that we allow to slip by that could so well have been offered to God in prayer? The Lord's Prayer is recorded in two locations in Scripture. In the Sermon on the Mount, as Matthew records it in in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus simply says to pray in this way and then shares the the lengthy version, uh, although it is not lengthy in any way, it is simply a longer version of the Lord's Prayer. The other location at which it is recorded is by Luke in the 11th chapter. And the focus this morning particularly that we have is on those first four verses. And let me read these to you now. He was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. You may ask yourself, why did Luke only include a portion of this prayer rather than the prayer in its entirety? You'll have to ask Luke, I don't know. But I can tell you, that he did include one thing that Matthew left out. And that is that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Luke includes that prompt. Lord, teach us to pray. The followers of Jesus were observing Jesus all so closely in order that they might know really who he is and what he's up to. And everywhere that Jesus went, they were following. Not only to receive the healing that he was able to offer and the casting out of demons that plagued the lives of so many. But they were just simply interested in being near him. And Jesus still found ways to slip away and to find those quiet moments of solitude and times of prayer. He was far from being recluse, you know that. From the reading of Scripture, Jesus was more in the crowd then he was out of the crowd but there were early mornings and late evenings where the only place 
that you would find Jesus was in a setting of prayer. And so Jesus received this question from one of his disciples. Lord, would you teach us to pray? And so he gives this prayer that is so beautiful. I do not believe that Jesus ever intended us to simply be so familiar with this prayer that we can say it without knowing what we're saying. <laughs> Have you ever said the Lord's Prayer without really giving it a thought, without really being present? This prayer was intended to be for us a simple formula, an encouragement of form, a template by which we might be able to come before God more easily than we think, than it can be done. Many a sermon has been preached on that prayer. Many a book has been written, I know, because I've got a lot of them in my office. Recently, I have been fascinated with Pete Gregg's little book that he entitled, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. Isn't that a great title? <laughs> and in that book, he considers at length the Lord's Prayer as this template for how we might conduct life prayerfully. Pete is a pastor on staff at Emmaus Road Church in Guilford, England. And he takes this prayer and dissects it into four points, <clears throat> at least from his perspective. First, that we would pause in the attention that we give to God in prayer, that we would pause. Second, that we would rejoice. Third, that we would be willing to ask. And that fourth, we would yield our heart to God. In a recent devotional that Sue and I were sharing, we came upon the thought of what it means to simply pause and the fact that perhaps we could go back to some of the things that we had learned earlier as children. Because in the Lion's Book of Christ's Children's Prayer, that is, I suppose, a century old now, there was this prayer that was recorded in our devotional. Lord, here is my Bible. Here is this quiet room. Here is this quiet time. And here am I. Open my eyes. 
Open my mind. Open my heart and speak. Can you remember as a child being coaxed to be a person of prayer? Around the dinner table as a parent or someone took responsibility to share a word or it may be that they took turns calling on the children that were present to say a word of blessing or do you remember that as a child you were coaxed in order that you would kneel down and pray before lying down to sleep can you remember someone coaxing you to be a person of prayer I was remembering the story of Eli and Samuel in the temple do you remember the story of how Samuel had been presented there by her, his mother because God had answered such a wonderful prayer to give her this child in her beckoning for God's intervention and Samuel was growing up there in the temple with Eli the old statesman and prophet this person who was greatly respected <clears throat> and one evening as Samuel was almost asleep he thought he heard Eli calling out for him and he ran to Eli's side and said yes you called and Eli said I didn't say a word go back to bed three times that happened and finally it dawned upon Eli what was coming down and he gave instructions you know this story he gave instructions to this young boy Samuel go back and lay down and the next time you hear that voice saying Samuel you respond speak Lord for your servant is listening you know those words Eli was coaching Samuel not simply to listen that evening but to be this person of prayer the story of Susanna Wesley the mother of Methodism the mother of John Wesley the founder of Methodism and Charles Wesley the hymnist of Methodism Susanna Wesley the mother of these two international greats do you know a little bit about her story to realize that their lives didn't just happen they did not just simply materialize out of nowhere out of nothing this very strong strong person this woman who truly gave her all to be the mother of this household was a part of a volatile marriage because of her husband's Samuel his seeming inability 
to manage the finances of the household. He was penniless on many of a, an occasion had it not been for the fact that they were living in a parsonage, they would have been homeless. In fact, he was imprisoned not one time, but twice because he was so in debt. I tell you that Susanna spent her life raising the children that were in that household And as she did that, she encountered terrible things. We smile and say that there were 19 children in that family. But you should know that nine of those children died in infancy, which was not uncommon to the day, but think about it and how that would mark your life. The 10 that she did raise to adulthood, she would spend six hours a day schooling them, not just the boys, but the girls as well, giving her time in order to make sure that they had a good beginning. And as they moved through life, They knew what it meant to be a person of prayer. My favorite story of Susanna Wesley is that she would take her apron just for quietness sake and she would create her own closet by throwing her apron up over her head. The children knew, don't mess with mama when the apron's over her head. <clears throat> Jesus began his prayer with the words, Father, hallowed be your name, which is this call to us to slow things down and to be centered, to weigh the meaning of life, to still the house and relax and breathe. For if there's anything that will steal prayer from us. It is the constant noise and activity that exists within our world. <coughs> we are called to wake our souls before God and to rejoice in God. The psalmist says, Sing to the Lord a new song. But how can we do that if we're really not being present to God? We are called to be a people who trust that truly God can answer prayer. I think we make the mistake of rushing too quickly to ask before we've even given assent to God's magnificent presence. Even in myself, I realize at times that my asking for God to, to help me or to help someone or some situation precedes any other conversation I have with him. 
But he does want us to ask for even the most basic things. For daily bread. For forgiveness, which we all need. And for his intervention. We are called to yield. And that means that we all share in the fact that some prayer goes unanswered. Have you discovered that yet? I heard in the news, I guess it's been three months ago now, I think I'm right in saying that Johnny Erickson Tata got COVID and I do not know the end of that. I hope and pray that she is now on this side of those symptoms and is doing okay, but she was already so compromised in her situation. You know who she is. I remember first encountering her by way of her artwork in Christian bookstores. Someone pointing out a beautiful painting, a beautiful etching, and then telling me that this was scribed to the canvas by someone who was not able to use their hands, but a brush was put between their teeth in order to do the painting. Johnny Erickson Tata was 17 years old when in a diving accident on the Chesapeake Bay where she thought the water was deeper than it was, she compressed her vertebra to the point that she was paralyzed from the shoulders down. She was a very faithful person having been involved in church and she believed very early on after this accident, God is going to heal me. In fact, it is a part of her witness even to this day that she will say that she truly believes that that soon, that still may happen either in this life or in the next, she says now. But she says that she truly believed that God would turn her situation around for the longest time. She would go to gatherings in which there were persons that were known for healing. The gift of healing was in their midst. But she said, it was never me that was healed. And so she waited and wondered until finally she saw that God was calling her to live in a different way toward him. And in not finding the healing for her situation, she said that she discovered her paralysis was her greatest mercy. That somewhere in the midst of what she was dealing with across her life, God had found a way to bless and to make himself known in ways that she could never have imagined. Do you imagine that Johnny Erickson Tata 
is a person of prayer, I have no question that she could teach us all about prayer. As we consider this important part of our vow, let me remind you of what church membership is. Church membership is a way to say, I have found my place. This is the community that helps me live my faith. I will do my part to help sustain the life of this community. And one of the ways in which we do that is by being people of prayer. May God help us all as we seek to be people of prayer.